What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of My Unapologetic Perspective here on the Mighty Motivation Network, where this podcast is where we give our point of view of controversial topics from my experience, Black history, and our knowledge as African and Americans. In the words of Maya Angelou, do your best until you know better, and when you know better, do better. So it's important to search for information to discover what you don't know so you can discover your best you. And our phrase here on this podcast is we're not here to be right. We're just here to make you think and spark conversation. Uh, I'm joined here by my co-host to the right of me is Shaquan Battle. Hello. And to the right of him is Jerome Battle. What up? Uh, Go to YouTube, type in um, my unapologetic perspective, hit the subscribe button. We got uh, like five new subscribers in this past week. Thank y'all. We appreciate it. Also go to Facebook, type in... um, my unapologetic perspective hit the like button got a bunch of new likes on there from people i don't know um but i would love to see people i do know go like that page and follow all of the latest uh content that is dropped being dropped because with the thing with facebook algorithms you may not see some of my facebook posts when we post a video on facebook so at least if you're on the page it'll pop up because you are subscribed or, or like the page and you'll be able to see our content a lot more. So for the people who see me and say, I don't really see your stuff on Facebook no more. I got to like, no, the algorithms have shifted. So go like that page. So it'll always pop up on your news feed. Um, how are y'all? I'm good. I'm good. Everybody's good. Good. All right. So we're going to jump right in. Uh, Pops, you picked the top th- topic this week. It was a wonderful topic. Um, explain and I'll let you take the forefront. You know, we we do this podcast, and I know people who came in at any episode after one or two, um, and if you came in in the double digits, there's a lot of questions asked a lot about why we do this podcast. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we remind you guys of why we do it, and we can go all the way back to started with an idea that you you had when Black History Month, and we decided, you decided that this is something we should be doing on a regular basis, because in Black history, we found that there's errors, Mm -hmm. there's misinformation, there's lack of information, and there's so many falsehoods in what we call black history or just history in general when we talk about American history. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to educate people. But more importantly than educating them, because obviously education is important, and we think that that's an equalizer, not just when it comes to black history or history, but in any realm of education, we feel like that's an equalizer to poverty versus being able to accomplish great things in your life and not being embellished in in poverty. Mm -hmm. But also giving black people a sense of value and worth and a better understanding of where we really are in terms of our existence in this country. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important because we as black people need to know what our value is. When we first start, and I think this was great, you did an episode one or two, where you talked about when your child goes to kindergarten or preschool and you go into that classroom, there's no representations that look like you. Mm -hmm. And you go in that class and you see no black people on the wall. And we, we make jokes about it because a lot of people can associate when you get, when you start jokes. Um, We, I I think I brought up do the right thing with, you know, uh, yeah. Why why ain't the brothers on the wall, Sal, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and people my age can relate to that is because we go into establishments on a regular basis, there's no representation of Mm African-Americans. And we wonder why. It's all by design. And that design is to keep black people in a certain light in this country. Mm -hmm. Um, White people want us to be known as being different. And that difference is always going to be derogatory and subpar to the white race. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to, on this episode, I wanted to talk about why black history, those values, um, that changing the narrative about where we fit in in American history is important to you and to your livelihood of today. Absolutely. Um, one of the, the first questions you asked, uh, again, and we've said this repeatedly on this podcast, but, you know, why was this podcast started and, you know, what direction was it going? What's the meaning of it? What is the purpose of it? Um, the number one purpose, of course, is to open up dialogue about black history that can be applied presently to enhance black future in this country. Um, you know, we talk on this podcast about events and people 
that people may have never heard of before. That's right. But we also talk about events and people that they may have heard of before, but we also give more context on how to apply that situation to That's 2021 right. or 2022 moving forward. So it's not enough just to have information. It's how to apply that information. And what we do on this podcast is we, as we, as I said earlier, we're not here to be right. We're here to make people think. And what we want to do is we want to give black people that identifier of something that especially the key thing is that where we, where we're broadcasting from is a very unique place. Now, people that's from New York, Chicago, Detroit, L.A., you know, they may hear this podcast and this just may be normal stuff that they hear all the time. Every day. That's but right. in Bedford, Virginia, this stuff is, this is things that people don't talk about. That's right. So when, when we talk about a local podcast, that's exactly what this is. Um, no disrespect to nobody else, but what we're doing is, is for our community. That's now, right. where it goes from there, 100%, I applaud. That's right. I, 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 thanks for the extra credit. But where we come from, there is a sense of entitlement. There is a lot of tension. There's a lot of racism that's not talked about. That's right. Because it's deemed as normal behavior for black and white people. So this podcast gives white America that in our community a glimpse at where we're thinking, how we're feeling, and the history on why we think this way and why we're feeling this way. Um, and this podcast gives the good, the bad, and the and ugly. ugly. We That's did right. the Black Panther Party um, episode, and we talked about the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right. And ugly. And not only does this give a glimpse of white America, it's a mirror for black America as Absolutely. well. Because one thing that we do on this podcast, we take accountability on, on what we do Absolutely. Um, to enhance or contribute to our own oppression in this country. And we're, honor, we're honest and we're truthful to the white community and to the black community. That's what makes this podcast um, so amazing to do. Uh, and again, living in Bedford, we don't have the access that the bigger cities will have, that Richmond will have. That's right. So the things that we're talking about, the books that we talk about going out and get, you're not going to find it in your local Bedford yeah, that's library. Right. That's right. So these type of conversations are interesting. So you can be able to go to Amazon. You can get online. You can look up certain things. You can find the information um, better that's just not on hand like it would be in a bigger city. That's right. Uh, I say all the time, sitting here, a lot of y'all see me. I, I get educated while I'm sitting here. Um, a lot of these things for me, when I first started, like I, I had no interest in, in any of these things. Um, but it wasn't until I started raising black girls and black boys that I need to know the history of what we've been through and what we're going through. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times in the news, you know, uh, I wouldn't see it or I wouldn't care. Mm -hmm. um, so for, for this platform, you know, with all the different pieces and then bake when you take when you take something so simple and you trace it all the way back to Africa and I'm like, man, how did you do that? Mm -hmm. You know, just that that information that I never had before, you know, sitting here with, with both of y'all. Um is is very it's been very, very key for me. Um, but also you changing your whole your whole platform. Mm -hmm. Um, which your your first platform was motivational speaking, you was getting a lot of likes, you was getting a lot of encouragement, you was getting, hey, when 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 parents seen you out, hey, you think you could talk to my kid. Now you change your platform, less likes, less shares, but you're doing something that you love. Mm -hmm. That's right. You're doing something that you love. You built this. Your daughter is into it now. Mm -hmm. So now you have something that you can pass down to her that's yours. There's nobody else's. Um and you created a, a platform that now dad can speak about things that he loves to speak about. Mm -hmm. So you giving people voices, mm -hmm. you giving people knowledge and you giving people a platform to express the things that they may not feel comfortable expressing on Facebook. Absolutely. Because when you type something, it doesn't come off like it do when you, when they, when you can actually say it. Right. And you know, there's been history teachers 
who's asked to come on as a guest. There's been politicians that's asked to come on as a guest. Now, we haven't had any guests yet, um, but we will eventually once we figure out the seating arrangements and how to best how to best do that. But to get that type of feedback just shows you how much people can't say certain places that's that right. they want to say here. That's right. You know, you, you guys heard me say before, I get a lot of feedback in my inbox. And a lot of times people are not comfortable with speaking openly, so they may not comment on Facebook or what have you. Um, a lot of times it's it's it could be the, the job, the employment that they have, whatever their profession may be. Um, it may shine a negative light on them. So a lot of things that we say and do are things that a lot of people agree with, but they can't say or do it. Yeah. You guys hear me joke a lot about my brother, Eugene. He says a lot of things that most people can't say. So in your mind, you're going, I can't believe he said that, but I'm glad he did. Mm, yeah. Right. That's what we're doing. We're doing the Eugene. Yeah. We're saying things that a lot of people think, but they probably can't say. Also want to say, I'm, I'm going to ask two things. I'm going to ask that you somewhere along in this podcast, when you post it, you play some excerpts from Marvin Gaye's um Black, I mean, from James Brown, Black and I'm Proud. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. Okay. The second thing I'm going to ask you to do is you have a, for people that don't know, I also do spoken word. I sent you guys a spoken word a few months ago. I want you to play that one okay. called Losing It. Okay. Um, and I, I want people to listen to this because it's important. And there's one part in this, in, in this spoken word that I, I think is very valuable because as I'm sitting here with my two sons, there's a part in this spoken word that probably means more to me than anything else I ever say in life. Mm -hmm. And that is when I was younger, I used to think being a black parent was the most difficult thing to do in America. Mm -hmm. But I was wrong. Being a black parent and teaching your child to be safe and proud of their black heritage is the most the most important, but yet the most difficult. Mm -hmm. Because there's, I can tell you right now, I don't know anybody that's more proud to be black than me, mm -hmm. okay? I, I, I am black and I'm proud to be it. Mm -hmm. And, but being a black parent brings a different type of fear, but also a different type of pride. Yeah. And to want your child to stand up for what they believe in, put, come home at the end of the day, is tough. Okay, it's really tough. So I commend you guys at what you're doing and not worrying about the effects that it may have on you personally or the negative effects that it may have on your children. Keep doing what you're doing, despite what other people may fear and may not be able to equal that, because mm -hmm. that's going to be the toughest. That's going to be the toughest thing for you to do. So I, I applaud the fact that people talk about being encouraged, but they talk about courage and bravery in a sense that I think is magnified in what you guys are doing. So keep doing that. So next, I'm going to talk about some things that I've heard people say that people have sent me in my inbox. I'm just going to read some of them. I'm proud to be who I am. I'm proud to be part of such a rich and diverse culture. Plus the food and music are more better on this side, right? <laughs> I'm very proud to come from a line of people who even through every terrible circumstances, decided to band together and persevere. They decided to come together and make change, even like nowadays with movements like Black Lives Matter. They come together to make change for not only themselves, but for other people, because when rights get better for blacks, they get better for all minorities. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay right there for one, for one second. For people that don't know, if you always go back to the 60s, when, when people believe civil rights first started, because actually we know that it started long before the 60s. Mm -hmm. But when civil rights first started, women didn't have a lot of the rights either. Right. So it wasn't just blacks in terms of minority, it was also women. Um, and anybody, I'm going to put this out there. If you haven't watched Dave Chappelle, Netflix uh, special, you need to watch it. Because he says a lot of things. He's not just a comedian, the guy's intelligent. Okay, And he's a historian. He mentions the fact that when black women's movement started when you people were here about Susie B. Anthony. Mm -hmm. They said, hey, Susie B. Anthony, we're going to do this. And she was all for it. And they asked Sojourner Truth to come, but don't talk. Yeah. Right. Well, I'll tell you this. White people will learn real quick. You don't ask black people to come to yeah. something and not talk, especially if it's something about black people. Yeah. We're not going to allow you to speak for us. We're going to speak for ourselves. So Sojourner Truth did exactly yeah. that and changed the history of what women's live really means. But 
when black people do better, every minority does better. Yeah. So when you fight for rights for blacks, you're fighting. It, it, Dave Chappelle said it best. <laughs> when we're, when he's talking about transgender and the LBGTQ community, he's not talking because he hates you guys. He's talking because he envy you guys. Right. You guys have had more progress in the last 10 years than blacks have had in the last 25. Right. Most people think civil rights was just about black people. Civil rights is about anybody that is discriminated against. Absolutely. So I, I employ people to understand what we're talking about when we're talking about black people. We're talking about black people because we can relate. Yeah. Okay. But when we're talking about right being right and wrong being wrong, that applies to anybody that's discriminated against. Yeah. Okay. So the, just, I think some of these quotes put things in real perspective in terms of what we're trying to accomplish with this podcast. But more importantly, how does it apply to you every day in your life and in your, you're trying to be a parent or you're trying to get an education and do better things or get out the hood. You know, my dad used to say the best thing you could do for poor people is not be one of them. I agree to a point. The other best thing that you can do is try to help people not be in that situation. And you can do that by educating them. And I think that's what we're doing. That's true. That's absolutely true. Um, you know, I, I get comments where well, I get messages in my inbox. And mostly I get people face to face that say, yo, keep doing what you're doing. I like what you're doing. Um, Y'all be saying some real stuff on there. Um but you know, most of those same. It, it's more. It's shocking to me because I'm looking like, do you you watch the podcast? That's I've, right. I've never seen you like anything. Never seen you share anything. Never seen you comment anything. And you know, you brought that to my attention that you know a lot of people just are more private with it, and that's why we want to do this episode to figure out why people are so um are so private with it. But you know, a lot of people don't want to have honest conversations. I'm not just talking about black people. Of course, I'm talking about white people. But both don't want to have honest conversations. That's right. You know, a lot of black people don't want to talk about the role that we specifically play in our own demise. That's right. You know, and white America don't want to talk about the true history of this country because it threatens their way of thinking that they may have glorified their entire lives. That's right. So having those conversations will make everybody look in the mirror, not just black people. That's right, everybody. You know, that, that's the thing. That's Again, that goes back to this podcast. We don't just talk about the things that's being done to us. We talk about what we do. And sometimes we got to be honest with ourselves right. and it ain't the easiest thing to do. Um, the second part is, you know, that a lot of people are still uncomfortable. Uh, I know from my own logic of thinking when starting this podcast that a lot of my white friends, white supporters, wouldn't going to understand. I knew they were going to see some of the things that I was saying and said, what happened to the baker we love? But I also knew that a lot of black people was going to say, that's not something you say out loud. That's right. They 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 agree, but that's not something that they would, would say, say out, out loud. loud. That's right. And again, you know, that's why people love Malcolm so much. Malcolm said things that people was like, that's right, but you don't say that. You don't say that. And that's why, again, location is key here because we're saying some things that people would not publicly say. That's right. Now, you can get those. There, now, there's some black folks, I promise you, that behind closed doors when it's just black people in the room, they talk the same way that we talking right now. That's right. But the problem is they don't want to make their white friends feel uncomfortable by standing around them because we know from this country that black people are the most forgiving people and compassionate people. That's right. You know, Dave Chappelle talked about it on that stand up saying, you know, I would never punch down on people that when I know what being punched down feel like. That's right. So a lot of black people don't want to do to others as what's being done to them. But I, I, I disagree only because of this reason. When I'm around, there are, there's always have been white people who talk about certain things, say certain things, say it in a way that they know is going to make me feel uncomfortable and they're not, they're unapologetic about it. That's, That's what right. came up with this title. So I thought to myself, what makes you so apologetic about your own feelings? Because everybody else in the world don't care. So right. why are you the one separating yourself, being so compassionate when they're not? They're not. Somebody has to stand up and be bold enough to say, hey, wait a minute. Here's my perspective. 
That's right. And that's what we, that's do. What we do. We we give our perspective because we know we know from history that black people don't want to cause no trouble. You know, if you're political, you say, well, we don't want us all what your guys are saying is going to just divide us more. If you're religious, you're going to say, you know, just pray about it and leave it do to it. God. Leave it to God. Love everyone. And that's going to solve our problem. Well, we've been doing that since the 50s, that's the right. 40s, the 60s. I mean, the things pushed on us by racist people was made for you not to talk about it. That's right. So the the religious sector is made for you to just pray about it. But guess who ain't praying about it? The white supremacy that that gave you the book. That's right. You know, guess who's not doing it? The political people that's getting your votes. They're the ones that's not doing it, but they're teaching you to do it. And we have to open up our eyes and see that. But, you know, a lot of black people will talk that talk, but they're just not comfortable with saying such things out loud. Um, and that just goes back to the topic that we've been talking about, talking about black history in the classroom. White people, they, white people do not want their kids to feel uncomfortable in the classroom, but they're okay with black kids feeling uncomfortable in the That's classroom. Right. That's why my mindset changed. If I'm going to be uncomfortable, let's all be uncomfortable. That's right. Period. That's right. Get the comfortability together. Yep. That's right. And last point on that is also why a lot of people don't talk about it publicly is, and I hate to say it this way, is a lot of people don't have enough information to effectively have a conversation about it publicly. Because we know for a fact that a lot of black people use emotions when talking about a certain things in history and racism and discrimination. And that's fine when you're just talking to black people because we understand your frustrations, we understand your anger, we understand your emotions. But when you are trying to convey this information to a people who have less information than you, remember, they went to the same school as you. They didn't get this information. So they have the same unaware knowledge as you do about what's bothering you about what's going on in this country. There are a lot of white people who genuinely do not understand why a phrase like black lives matter but there's a lot of black people who cannot convey the message on what it means because they don't have the history they don't have the knowledge they don't have the books they don't have the case studies they don't have the statistics to be able to convey that message intelligently to change somebody's mind if you just continue to talk out of your emotions and tell a person to go watch this movie you'll understand go Listen to such and such, and you'll understand. Nine times out of ten, the people are not going to go watch it. And they're not going to feel it the way that you feel it or understand it the way that you understand it. You have to put information in somebody's lap the way that they understand it. And the way to do that with white America is by educating yourself to educate them. Bring out the statistics. Bring out redlining. Bring out the laws and things that was put into place so you can say, this is why... We're mad. You know what I'm saying? This is why black people can't afford homes. This is why black people can't get business loans. These things were put in place in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. This is why there's black more black people incarcerated because in the 90s. This is why we're on drugs. This is why there's gangs. This is why it's happening. If you cannot convey that message in an intellectual state, then you're not going to be able to hold conversations with people who do not understand why you feel the way that you feel. And I believe a lot of black people get their information from Facebook posts. They get their information from CNN and Fox News. They get their information from K-12. And you have no way of conveying that information to people in an intelligent way to make them think differently. That's what this podcast does with perspective. Absolutely. How you feel? <laughs> you know, I, I I I like to use movie analogies, and you know, and and uh, don't be a menace. Uh, well, no, boys in boys in the hood. Um, Ice Cube at the end, Doughboy says, mm-hmm. either they don't know, they don't show, and they don't, don't care, care about what's going on in the hood. You can substitute black people for hood, mm-hmm. and in most cases, it's either you got a choice: either they don't know. Well, they don't give a fuck. Right. All right. And I'm not just talking about white people. I'm talking about black people, too. There's a lot of things that go on in the black neighborhoods and to black people and against black people that either white people don't know or they don't give a fuck. Right. 
but there's black people that feel the same way. Mm -hmm. That ain't my business, right? That doesn't concern me. And we were talking about before the podcast, when does it concern you? Mm -hmm. Well, usually it concerns you when tragedy strikes on your doorstep. Mm -hmm. And if you guys listen to my spoken words, you hear me mention some things like, sometimes people don't really care about what your cause is. They may speak on it, but they don't really care. Mm -hmm. They just don't want it to spill over onto their doorstep. I don't want to have to deal with it. Don't make your problem my, my problem, problem yeah. right? Black people, once again, have taken on the concepts of the abusers. Mm -hmm. We were victimized, and now we've taken on some of the same concepts of our abusers. Mm -hmm. And we're doing it to ourselves, mm -hmm. right? In a lot of cases, we even had, back in the 80s and 90s, people used to use the term sticking it to the man. Right. Because the white man did it to us for so many years. We want to stick it to them. Mm -hmm. Right. Come on. That's not going to work. Right. Because in the end, you're sticking it to the white man. But guess who's winning? Right. Right. You're not winning like that. You're not going to win like you're never going to win that way. But let's put some other things in perspective. And I know you're going to have to go to a break in a minute, mm -hmm. but let's put some things in perspective real quick. Let's talk about. Texas. Let's talk about, we're not going to even talk about the voting. We're not going to talk about voter suppression right now. We did that on two other episodes. We're going to leave that where it is for right now. But this one you're going to like. Let's talk about this abortion law, right? Let's talk about this. We're laughing because I still can't believe that this is happening and that a lot of people aren't even speaking about it. A lot of people aren't even aware of what's going on. So you can't have an abortion in Texas if the baby reaches six weeks, mm -hmm. right? Six weeks, no abortions. Just real quick, I just want people to guess. Who do you think this affects disproportionately in that state? We know. Yeah. Just want you guys to take a guess and see if you come up with the right answer. Don't Google. Just, <laughs> just guess. See, see who's affected. Black people. I, we'll answer for you. Black people are the ones that are affected disproportionately by this law. Let's talk about why. We're going to take religion out of it because we know damn well it has nothing to do with religion. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take that out. But also, now I do want you to Google. I want you to Google the signing of the bill, and I want you to see who's in the picture. Ain't a brother, sister, <laughs> nowhere to be seen. Hell, the maintenance man is even white. All right? <laughs> Just Google that. Check it out. All right? Because you can't make this up. Even if I was a screenwriter, I could not make this up. I don't think this way. So there's no way I could write it. All right? So black people are affected disproportionately. So you say, why? Why would they create something like this to hurt black people? And how does that look in real time? I'm going to give it to you. In real time, so disproportionately, we know that the more kids black families have, the less likely you are to able to go above the poverty line, especially in states like Texas. Mm -hmm. So the more kids you have, the further below the poverty line you live the more you have to rely on government assistance. Texas has the least amount of government assistance. How do you survive? You live in certain areas, and then you make do the best way you can. And guess what that usually entails? Crime. Mm -hmm. So now you have more kids. People that are trying to help you raise your family are going to have to result to more crime to be able to do so. Mm -hmm. So now, not only do you have, you never exceed the poverty line, right? Which means... You can't live in the neighborhoods that we live in, right? Mm -hmm. You can't buy the things that we buy. You probably can't even shop at the stores we shop at. I'm putting you back in that perspective, that same place that we've been trying to have you people be in the entire time, mm -hmm. right? You're subordinate. That's what you are. And this law is going to help us make sure, we talked about this too, not only are you subordinate, your kids are going to be subordinate. Mm -hmm. We talked about that before too. How some slave masters not only enslaved the slave, but said, I'm going to enslave their children. Mm -hmm. So not their grandchildren or great-grandchildren, their great-great-grandchildren can be free. But none of these are ever going anywhere. I want them. Right? right? All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. And we are back. Pops, go ahead. Pick up right where you left. Yeah, off. I know some people thought I was done. They was hoping I was done. <laughs> I ain't done yet. I ain't done yet. All right, but... Make a quick joke real quick. You know how you can offset this law? Have a bunch of brothers get with white women in Texas and start having babies. And I guarantee you they'll change that law real quick. Oh, my right? goodness. Just off script, just for a second. Now, back, back to the facts. All right? So now you have uh, black women being, and we, we let's, let's put this in another perspective, too. 
one, you have men making laws about, about women, women and women's rights and their bodies. I'm going to always disagree with. OK, you can take whatever religion you believe in and you can push that to the side as far as I'm concerned. OK, I'm talking about people making decisions about themselves that they should have the right to be able to do. Right. And women, nobody has this right more than you. It's your body. You can do what you should be able to do what you want with it, except in Texas. All right. In Texas, you can't have an abortion if the child is six weeks, gets reached the point of six weeks. All right. Mm -hmm. Can't do it. I know it's your body. Should be your choice. Get out of Texas. And you can you can you can talk about when when black people find out that they're pregnant. That's right. Yeah. A lot of times it's beyond the six yeah. weeks period. Yeah. You know. But let's go one step further. So now you have these black women who are impacted disproportionately in this state that are going to have more kids. And you guys can talk all you want to about, well, they know the law. They should use protection. They should not have. You can talk about all that you want to. Did you do that in your life? Because I can tell you, I surely did not. All right. So apply that yourself. Don't can't tell other people how to apply that to yeah. themselves. All right. But now they're going to have these kids. They're going to live below the poverty line. They're going to probably result to crime or people in their family, the baby's fathers or whoever living boyfriend. Everybody's going to result to crime. Everybody's living below the poverty line and you commit a crime and now you can't vote. And then you have kids that are going to grow up in the same. I think everybody will agree that poverty usually breeds poverty. Um, it happens. You know, you usually do what the people before you did. There's very few people who are going to step away from what they the way they've been raised. Very few people can do that. And we can go back to education, them not being educated enough to understand that there's a difference to do something different. We can talk about that. But at the end of the day, we know statistics and statistics say poverty breeds poverty. Mm -hmm. So now my parents, the kids, grandkids, all going to continue that same cycle. Mm -hmm. And what does it do for white America? Keeps you in that position that we want you in anyway. Mm -hmm. You're subordinate. You can't vote. You have no rights. And we'll go one step further. People talk about how voting really works because we always talk about the electoral college. Mm -hmm. For black people, shut up. All right. The electoral college helps because otherwise you would have states like Texas deciding the election by themselves. Virginia as well. Absolutely. You look at the amount of red in Virginia. The Electoral College helps us as well. Absolutely. This is so that you don't have the people that agree with these idiotic laws and racism and discrimination do not control the outcome of this country. Yeah. So learn before you start talking about the Electoral College. Okay? Learn. Mm -hmm. The Electoral College is what prevents these type of laws from being federal laws in every freaking state. Mm -hmm. All right. And I'm saying freaking because I cursed a little bit too much already. No, you're good. Right? No, so understand how this law really works. It's not just what you see. It's a lot more to it than that. It goes deeper than that. These people have been planning this for years. Mm -hmm. This is part of that systemic racism that we talked about. So when they're giving you Juneteenth Day and you popping your fireworks and you eating hot dogs, these people are working. Yeah to keep you in that certain perspective in American history as black people. And you just said it. I'll piggyback off of what you just, the last statement that you just made. You know, you look at the things that white America is giving black people and it's because black people have no idea what it is that we should be accepting. That's right. You know, black people are just, Happy the fact that you acknowledge black people now. That's right. Yeah, it, it, it isn't becoming a, a, a fact of changing laws. It isn't coming a, a fact of of changing discrimination and racism in this country. It's the fact that they give us Juneteenth. We celebrate. That's right. You know, they they take down a statue and put down a statue, put up a statue of some of some black person, and we we and we're happy. Meanwhile, on the flip side. They're giving billions of dollars to new immigrants coming in. That's right. They're giving hate bills to people who have only been discriminated against for a couple of weeks. That's right. They're, they're passing things and they're passing you over by giving you, by telling you that, you know, oh yeah, Harriet, tell me to be on the, on the, on the dollar on bill. On the dollar bill. Yeah. 
they give us symbolic stuff. They don't give us stuff that is gonna that's gonna dramatically change the circumstance that we've been placed in in this country. That's right. So when you look at that, I mean, that's why conversations is important. And as black people, especially black leaders, we have to start coming together and figure out what it is that we want for our community. What are the, what are the changes that we are willing to make? That's right. You know, they're, you know, well, this is the unapologetic perspective. I could care less about what people think. Absolutely. There is a, a candidate running on the uh, school board card from our area who goes directly against what the black people in this community um, stands for. But you're probably going to vote for him just because he's your family member and because he's black. That's right. And what he stands for is going to di- is going to directly help white supremacy in our community. And that's the problem that we have when, when, it come, when it comes to this country. And that's why we have to be educated enough to be able to know what we want. When we do this podcast, I normally, just, to be honest with you, I don't want to hear that I be talking that talk. I don't want to hear, yo, what y'all saying is good. Keep it up. I, I, I could care less about those comments. Years ago, that would have hyped me up and said, yeah, you know what? I am talking that talk. But now I can care less about that. This podcast is to give information to you so you can research it yourself and come up with the same. I Listen, you have the same access to the books that we have. And, I'm, and again, I'm not talking to everybody. I'm talking about the people in our community, the local people. You have access to it, the everyday people who say, well, I ain't got time to read a book. You know, I ain't really got time. They got a movie on that. <laughs> yeah. And then when something happens, now you want to be this huge activist that go around telling white people what they should and should do. When you don't have the intellectual knowledge to know what you're talking about to create solutions. The only thing you're doing is complaining. We got to start getting black people to just stop complaining and coming up with solutions. And we don't need white America to help us with that. That starts in-house. Again, it's that accountability thing. This starts with the black leaders coming together and figuring out what it is that we need for our future generations. What is it that we need to be doing actively in the political realm, in the socialism realm, in the religious realm, whatever realm you in to where you are a leader and you can effectively teach people, whether it's in the educational market, whatever the case may be, your platform on social media, we need increase the intelligence not just the awareness we're aware of what's going on there's enough awareness we ain't done enough marching enough protesting to what black people are aware that it's a problem now what absolutely what political people do we have in position what people are willing to run for the school board to to make the changes what people are willing to lay there to, to to be bold enough to have conversations publicly Instead of just saying, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, you know, they don't understand it. They don't understand it because you have yet to convey it to them in a way that they would understand it. And that's a problem in this country. And that's a problem locally in our community. That's right. I know a lot of people say sometimes I guess we we got it. Honestly, sometimes we sound angry. And and I am. I'm I'm beyond. I'm pissed the fuck off. Right. You know, and I've been that way for a long time and it's not going to change. But the reason why is because when I'm tired, I'm fatigued. I, I'm tired. I, I'm tired of having, you know, you you guys will hear this when you listen to the spoken word. I'm tired of having meetings to only have more meetings, to have meetings about more discussions, to have speeches, than have more meetings. When at the end of the day, calling a racist a racist, is that really progress? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. You're just calling people boy. They know they're racist. Right. Okay. So what difference does it make that now it's public? Most of the Klansmen don't wear hoods. Right. Okay. They wear suit and ties. All right. So, uh, and also before I go any further and not to make the association, but when I made a remark last week about a police officer um, questioning me when I was pulled in the parking lot, the officer did apologize mm-hmm. to me. So I'm assuming either he watched the podcast or somebody told him, keep watching, okay? <laughs> keep watching um, because you can only learn from this. Right. Uh, and I appreciate the apology. Um, keep watching and you will learn why we feel the way we do. I'm not going to apologize how I reacted. Right. I'm not going to apologize for that. And, and I told the officer that. 
I'm not apologizing for how I reacted because I'm angry. Right. All right. And I'm going to talk a little bit about why I'm angry. Um, as, as we continue to see protests across the country, you know, systemic racism, police brutality. And I know sometimes people forget they act like that's over with. It's not uh, just because uh, 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 you, you get an arrest and you get a conviction and you get a sentence, whatever little amount of time that in, individual got. Um, you get a new president. You get all these things that happen. People seem to forget that police brutality still exists. Um, black Americans describe fear, anger, and weariness about tragic killings that are becoming all too familiar. We're getting used to this shit. Yeah, We're sure. getting used to turning on the news and seeing another black person killed by police brutality. We're getting used to it to where it's not even, to some, it's not even a big deal anymore. It's still a big deal to me. And if you guys listen to the spoken word, we'll talk about it because um, I, I, I can't begin to tell you how many people it is that I've, I begin to forget the names right. because there's so many of them. And it's not because it's, it's not important anymore. It's just because there's so many of them and it, you continue to add to that list. Go ahead. Um, and before you go, because you, you said something about anger and before people hear what you have to say, I want to clarify let me give them a, a classification on why the anger happens. Okay. Okay. Um, we can look at history episodically or chronology. I, I say this every time on a, on, on a podcast, and most people want to have a conversation with me about the episode, right? You want to talk to me about what's going on now, but you don't talk about the things that led up to That's right. what happened. And for instance, when... The officers of the Rodney King beating were acquitted. People thought that's what caused the riot in L.A. That's right. But it wasn't. It was one straw of because months prior, Latasha Hastings killer right. went free. That's right. After the 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 acquittal, there was some African-American standing on the corner and the police were harassing them. So that was the last straw of something that has been happening for 40 years in L.A. that caused them to riot. So when you think about what's happening of today's world, you have to understand a chronology of history of what happened before that. Right. So before you question Colin Kaepernick for kneeling, you should have asked yourself, well, why is he kneeling for Trayvon Martin or, or whatever the case may be? Trayvon Martin was the last straw. He saw earlier people being killed for 20 30 years before that That's by right. police and said okay now it's time to do something so the anger does not just happen in a vacuum That's right. the anger happens from seeing things in previous um in a previous timeline to say i've had enough That's and right. when you get the anger from black people when you get the rioting when you get the march and the protest and the outrage is because is symbolism to say, I've seen enough. That's, right. that's it. And when that's when your statement said, I'm tired, you're tired because you've seen enough and you're tired of explaining to people why you've seen enough. But the, the people that you're explaining it to aren't looking at the timeline. They're continually saying, well, we're in 2021. Okay. What happened in 2020? What happened in 2019, 2018, that's 2017, right. 16, 18, 18. What happened that led to what happened in 2021? Absolutely. You know, we talk about systemic racism all the time, but you know what else is systemic? Is the anger, like you just talked mm -hmm. about. It's from all the previous things that happened. Um, that whether I experienced it or not is irrelevant. I've taken on the anger of my forefathers because mm -hmm. it continues to happen. Not because it happened, but because it continues to happen. What happened happened, but you keep doing it. So because it keeps happening, we have to keep talking about it and I get angry. And I actually use, I like to use the term mad, right? And as you guys know, um, making a difference, mm -hmm. right? M-A-D, making a difference. So being, being angry is one thing, but I would prefer to be mad, making a difference. And I hope that this podcast makes a difference to even if it's just one person. And the great thing is I already know it has because it made a difference to two people already which is just as important to me as anything else. So we look at the protests, and some have become violent, marred by looting, clashes with police, countless arrests. And that had became, that's became the storyline. Anytime you hear about a black protest, and just so people know, 
every protest isn't generated by Black Lives Matter. No. Black Lives Matter is part of a movement. It is not the movement. All right. The movement is whatever the situation is and the people that oppose it or that are trying to stand up against it. All right. So any movement, I think, is going to be important if it includes black people and it's for justice for black people. You can call it what you want. Mm -hmm. I don't give a damn about the title. Right. But with all that going on, there's always challenges. And the challenges are how does the message remain constant? Because I can tell you now, when news reports come out, they're not even going to really talk about what the protest was really about. They're going to talk about the aftermath yeah. of what went on during it, right? Even And it's not just black people. This is media. Mm -hmm. When they talk about the attacks on, on Washington, you don't... The, the only reason they talk about what caused it is because there's Donald Trump, yeah. right? And it's pro-white. Mm -hmm. So you will hear about that. But if that march was black people... And they were marching for a specific reason. One, there'd have been a whole lot of people dead. Then, then you wouldn't have knew about the, the, you the reason about why the they cause. was there. Absolutely. Yeah. The cause would have been unheard. People would have forgotten about the cause. So what we're trying to do is give you some information to keep it fresh in your mind so you don't forget. Okay? We're like, we're <laughs> the prerequisite to what we're doing is being black. <laughs> so everybody qualifies for this information if you're black. For white people, the prerequisite is wanting to understand what we're angry about mm -hmm. if you don't know. So the podcast is going to give you that information to help you with that. I just want I just want black people to understand that I'm frustrated. I'm fearfully, fearfully fatigued. And what I mean by that is I'm afraid that enough people aren't going to get on board with what's happening and trying to make a difference before it's too late. Mm -hmm. And what I mean, it's not going to stop. Mm -hmm. We've been fighting this forever. And some people say it's gotten better. You want to go down to Alabama and have that conversation? <laughs> right? Matter of fact, let me do this. Let's, let's go to Georgia real quick. You go to Georgia. You can, if, you, if you believe that, go to Facebook, type in WSCT, look at anything that pertains to black people and read the comment section. That's right. <laughs> I, I'm going to go to Georgia real quick because this is one of my as you guys know, I have a list of states that I can't stand in Georgia. It's one of them, right? <laughs> this is one of the states I can't stand. Uh, it just so happened Atlanta happened to be in Georgia. I'm sorry about that, Atlanta. But I can't stand Georgia, mm -hmm. right? Black students in Georgia were suspended for planning a protest after white students waved the Confederate flag and allegedly used racial slurs. Now, I want to talk about a couple things just about that title alone. We're going to start with the word allegedly mm -hmm. used right, Rachel. If even they did or they didn't, then you right. can hear it, right? Mm -hmm. If they said nigger, okay, why is it alleged? Okay? First of all, let's just, let's just put this in real perspective. How do you mean alleged? Okay, they didn't. You ever had white friends want to tell you a joke and they say, no offense to you, right? right? Yeah. That means it's going to be offensive to you, but I like you, so it doesn't apply to you, right? You you heard them use the term, but now I guess you want to figure out, well, how did they mean it? How did they mean it? What content, what context did they say it in, Jerome? They used the word. So you can take that fucking word allegedly out. Okay, let's get rid of that. And then let's go back to another word that says planning a protest. They didn't have it. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have it. They were planning. If you listen to the spoken word, you hear me mention a phrase that people that are older than the age of 30 would would understand. Alan Iverson had a situation when he played basketball for the 76ers and he didn't want to practice and he had a blur we told practice. Yeah. We're talking about practice, not a game. For people that consider racism a game, let's say it is. Let's say and somebody has to win at the end. We ain't even got to the fucking game. This yeah. is just practice for them. Mm -hmm. This is practice and they had years of studying to be able to practice. Mm -hmm. And they're practicing it on our asses. All right. So this is a prime example. Black students in Georgia suspended for planning a fucking protest. Mm -hmm. They didn't have it. Mm -hmm. And they got suspended. The white people who did have a protest even came out and said, wow, we used the N word and had Confederate flags and swastikas. They did nothing to us. Mm -hmm. But them black girls got suspended. How does this happen in America in 2021? Right. How does this happen? Mm -hmm. And how do how do people read this and not get fucking mad about it? Right. How does this happen? Because uh, people read about it and 
I want you to put this into context because you're talking about Texas, Republican state. Normally, Georgia is a Republican state. This tell us tell us why that's key coming up in Virginia with the governor election. How that could apply in Virginia, especially when you talk about the things that Texas is trying to pass. It's going to happen because if you think about the Republican Party and the thing about the Republican Party is we said this on many podcasts before. Republicans want to go with the side that wins. Mm -hmm. They're typically going to vote on the side that they believe is that's going to win. And as you see, and we, we just talked about Texas. And when we talked about Juneteenth Day, we talked about that on that same day, there was over 400 bills submitted across the United States. 400. Mm -hmm. So we're only talking about Texas. Yeah. We, we're not even talking about the other 399 that were, were submitted during that same weekend. Virginia is going to follow suit when it comes to Republican parties and what they're able to achieve in other states. Every state watch what other states are able to do, mm -hmm. which is why when you see it happen in one state, what happens shortly after that? And then when we talked about the Electoral College, Virginia, Georgia, Texas are three of the largest, mm -hmm. right? I'm not saying they are the largest for people that know politics, but we can we can exclude Florida. And the reason you exclude Florida is you got a lot of minorities in Florida. So right. we can exclude them. But we talk about those three. And then if you want to throw in um, Michigan, you can throw them in too. Mm -hmm. But these are the states you're going to see make a rapid change based on what happens in Texas and what happens in Georgia. You're going to see follow suit. Mm -hmm. And it's going to happen. This election for Virginia, the governorship of Virginia, is very important. I implore not just black people but everybody to get out and vote. Learn the process about what you're voting for mm -hmm. and get out and vote because this is where you make the difference at, ladies and gentlemen. The difference is not going to be made when you go to work and say, yeah, fuck white people. That ain't going to make the difference. <laughs> That's not going to make the difference. So you can do that if you want to. You're going to lose your job, right? And I'm not telling you to do that. But what I'm saying is make your difference at the polls. Make your difference by educating people around you. Make your difference by saying something when you know something. That's what I think that makes the difference. Um, I got one more thing to say, and then Pops, I'll, Nishikwan, I'll let you say what you want to say, and then Pops, I'll let you close. Um, Texas, what they just did was uh, a, a, a council, a school council member in Texas just said that if a teacher is going to teach about the Holocaust, they need to have an opposing book on the Holocaust that talks about the good things that the Holocaust did. <laughs> and for most people who don't think that's a problem, they don't do that for American history because if, I mean, that wouldn't be a problem if they did the same thing for George Washington and they right. talked about the slaves that he owned, if they did the same thing for Abraham Lincoln and Thomas Jefferson and all of those people. But you're, you're only doing this when it, it it opposes white supremacy. So the Holocaust, black history, minority history, Native American history, all of these opposes white supremacy. And Texas is the state that is leading the charge against this. Everything else is anti-American if it's not white supremacy. That's right. And we are back. And we're going to go into the closing arguments. Uh, Shaquan, go ahead. So, um, Y'all have connected a lot of dots for me politically um, and in history just by sitting here listening to y'all. And y'all going to be able to tell on the playback when y'all look at me smiling. It's because the passion that's that's coming out of them as, as they speak about this. And I, I love hearing them speak about this. Um, Dad, my question for you is my daughter. I got a couple more years before she starts driving, but and she has a lot of white friends. Um. Your advice to us, you know, sending your kid out in the world where they're black, um, our names, uh, bef before you even see us, our names are black. Absolutely. And, and I love that. Um, how to handle police and how to handle other white people that, that you know, that doesn't think racism is a problem. You know, that's a great question, and and, and <laughs> it's a tough one because, like I said, the hardest thing to be is a black parent and teaching your child to be safe yet proud of their heritage. It is tough. 
but I would say it, it, it's going to, my, my first answer is all, my first part of my answer is always going to be education. I think that the more educated you are, um, you you are you are viewed differently, and and I I'll, I'll give you I'll give, I'll give I'm gonna add a, a part to that. You viewed differently by white people because immediately you become a threat. Mm -hmm. Okay, the more educated you are, it's like oh I can't do certain things to this person because this person knows some shit, right? So I got it. They're gonna have to be different with you from the beginning because you're educated, and a lot of times that be, that's that's immediately known by your reaction, right? The second part is be diligent. What I mean by that is understand that your environment, where you are and what you're doing. And ultimately you become responsible for the people that you associate with. That's your responsibility. So if you're associating yourself with somebody who's doing something that could lead to trouble, then your first responsibility is not to do that. All right. So always, I would always advise them to not be guilty by association. All right. Um, <laughs> beyond that, try to do the right thing. You know, at, at my job, one of the uh, the production uh, manager would always say, "If you're doing the right things, you can never be caught doing the wrong things." However, that doesn't always apply, apply when you're black. Right. Sometimes, as we talked about in this podcast, you fit the criteria. Starting with one, you're black, yeah. right? So she, she she can't change that. They, she can't change that. And and God, I hope that she doesn't want to change that. Be proud of, of your heritage. Be proud to be black, but be cautious. Be aware of your surroundings and your friends, um, because everybody that's that you associated with, that you call a friend. And I hate the fact that on Facebook they use terms like friends. Those aren't your fucking friends. Right. Those are just people that uh, that you got on your list on Facebook. They're not your friends. Um, my mom used to say, if you have three friends, you got two too many. <laughs> so, um, and, and I mean that. I think that's important, man. I think it's important that people, America been putting us in a certain place the entire time we've been here. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with you putting people in place in your life? Mm -hmm. These are your friends. These are people that you associate with. These are people that you see from time to time. These are your classmates, right? Doesn't have to be friends. You don't have to create an avenue for people if the avenue doesn't exist. And just because she's with them doesn't mean that they are friends. She's going to have to understand that. And I can't tell them to not see race. I know a lot of people say, well, I don't think my kids see race. Bullshit. Mm -hmm. Bullshit. It's an identifier. We know that. It's an identifier. So if you have two kids standing by each other, one's black, one's white, same height, same color hair, how do you identify them? They got the same color shirt on, uh -huh. the black one. Mm -hmm. It's an identifier. <laughs> so you see the race. We know that. And that's okay. That's okay. So for me, it would be those kind of conversations with her that I know right now she probably does not understand. Mm -hmm. And you hope that it, I was a talker as a parent, just like I am now. <laughs> so I, I've talked a lot to you guys. And I hope that at some point, some of the things that I said to you would register at some point. It may not be today, may not be tomorrow, but at some point you can recall something that dad said and use it to help you. Babe, my question for you. We've seen what happened with John Gruden this week. Um, I think it was the Raiders that said uh, when they drafted Jamarcus Russell that they put a $100 bill in the back of the playbook because they knew he wasn't going to read it. Um, and, and most white Americans say, if you don't want black people to know it, put it in a book because they're not going to read. You've helped me with read. Well, both of y'all have helped me with reading. Talk, give the people something that, because you, you said it, that's, that's the main thing people look for. They got a documentary on that. Mm -hmm. They don't want to read. Um, and there's been times where we would, we would be, we would pick a topic that we're going to talk about and you would hit me and be like, yo, you got the information you need because if you're not, here goes something. Where can people find this information at and what should they look for? We know they can find it on Google, but like me, I, I say it all the time, your Google must be different than my Google. <laughs> um, no, um, good, that's a good question. Um, first thing, for the people, especially living in this area, again, like I said on earlier in the podcast, if you live in New York, Chicago, Detroit, LA, those type of big cities, even Richmond, you're, you're, you're likely Atlanta, those type of places, you're likely to have better access um, to some of these 
some of these things because there are people around that came from different places that moved to these big cities that carry this knowledge. Um, there, there is, there's one, well, one website is called uh, blackpast.org, I think. Some um, great, they have a lot of different events, a lot of different people to learn about. Um, if you can't start with a book, start with a documentary. Um, I watch, there's many documentaries I watch on Prime Video. PBS has extraordinary documentaries. And from that documentary, you will probably be able to Google a book that talks about the same exact thing because to do a documentary, they're going off information that they probably got out of a book. That's right. Um, so just start somewhere. Um, but there's two books that I recommend for to, that should be in every black people's home, black, black person's home, and for white America to be able to understand uh, black people is um, The Miseducation of the Negro by uh, Carter G. Woodson, which is the father of Black History Month. And the souls of black folks by W. E. B. Du Bois. History and, and black knowledge and black awareness and it, it's still relevant on where we should be able to go as black people today. But just start somewhere. Start somewhere. Um, heck, if you got to start with Harriet Tubman, start with Harriet Tubman. And then do the chronology of what happened to after those folks after they got free. That's right. What did they do? Where did they go? And that'll take you right into the Reconstruction period. That's right. And then you can see how well some black people were doing during the Reconstruction period. And it would take you to Jim Crow that stopped and put laws in place to stop black people. So when you begin to just start somewhere and you do a chronology uh, of history, of reading books and, and looking at things, um, you'll find information. But to the average person that live in our community, a lot of people share stuff on Facebook and they say, yeah, that's good. But do you do any additional research? Take that Facebook post, go to Google, type it in and see what Amazon gives you. See what books that they recommend. Um, see what, uh, go to YouTube, see if somebody elaborated more on this discussion. Um, you're you're, you're, you're going to be surprised at how much information we have access to. That's right. It's just a matter of looking into the searches to find out more information. Same thing with this podcast. Anything that we say on this podcast, go look it up, do the research, and you come to your own conclusion for your own self and to be able to educate other people on it. That That's simply where it is. Education is how you want it to be. Education is not somebody else teaching you what you need to learn. Education is somebody giving you the 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 theories and, and analogies on the table. You take those theories and analogies and do your own research. If you thesis and that thesis is you do something, you write a a paper on a subject, which normally becomes a book. You write the paper on that subject do the investigation, you have to do the analysis, you have to, to do the interviews, and you come to your conclusion. That is what true education is. That's, That's right. That's right. You know, I, I, I think that when we talk about books, reading books, and, and you mentioned this on the, on the earlier podcast as well, the difference between a book and a movie is perspective, right? So when you watch a, a movie or even a documentary, it's based on the perspective of that lens holder, that, that photographer, that narrator. That's their perspective, right? When you read a book, it's your lens. You're the narrator. You're the photographer. You can interpret those words the way you want. And we've said this on many podcasts. We talk about movies, but if, there's a, if it was based on the book, we always say the book was better. Right. You know why? My perspective. My perspective yeah. My interpretation of the words could be completely different than what that that narrator, that producer, that director, that photographer had. And my perspective is always going to be better than me. Right. So but I, I, I do want to say one other thing before I, I do this last part is that we always talk about being black and proud. We talk about we use terms like black is beautiful. 
we, we talk about, especially for the black woman, we did a whole episode where we talked about the importance of black women and, and, and the beauty of black women and uh, uh, the need for black women and the education of black women. When we talked about people who wrote books and who were empire, who were, who were pioneers in, in uh, black history, um, most of them were women. When we talk about the athletes, the black athletes that contributed, we talked about a lot of women. Um, and we do that because we want to not just build them up, but we're trying to overcome the stereotypes, the negative stereotypes, the things that have been said about black people for many, many, many years. Um, things like we're ugly, we got big noses. And yes, we do. And we have what we call the battle nose. Mm -hmm. and, and we love it. We, we absolutely love it. And we want other people to be proud of who they are, what they are, how they look and where they came from. Muhammad Ali, people talk about his contribution to boxing. Damn that. Let's talk about his contribution to black people. To give you, we, we use words like awareness. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to use awareness. He wanted you to embrace your blackness. Mm -hmm. And he used phrases like, oh, I'm so pretty. Yeah. Why? Because white America said that we were black, right? And he said, yeah, I'm black and I'm beautiful. Oh, I'm so pretty. Yeah. And, and that gave us that value that we've been looking for. And we continue that when we use words like um, black is beautiful, uh, black is bold, embrace that heritage. And I'm going to leave you with these parting words. Some people say we got a lot of malice. Some say it's a lot of nerve. But I say we won't quit moving until we get what we deserve. Say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. Thank y'all for tuning in. We love y'all. And we're grateful for the people who even message us. Um, just thank you. That's all. Just thank you. We appreciate it. Peace.